This is a production of Cornell University. Hello and welcome to the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information, brought to you by Cornell University Turfgrass Program in partnership with the New York State Turfgrass Association. My name is Frank Rossi. I'm the Associate Professor of Turf Science here in the Department of Horticulture at Cornell University, and the following are observations and recommendations for the week of October 4th, 2010. Well, the widespread rainfall is aiding establishment, is, and for, especially from seed. Hopefully, most had some form of mulch or erosion control in the seedbed for the record rainfall from over the weekend. With the first frost inching closer, it is an ideal time for ground ivy control using broadleaf herbicides. Also, we have an excellent discussion about tall fescue and ducky bluegrass from Brad Park from Rutgers University. Clearly, tall fescue has seen important breeding improvements, but be, be sure to get the top performers from the NTEP trials. The weather from last week saw an extremely warm week with temps 6 to 8 to as much as 9 above normal with widespread heat stress to the southern end of the region. Significant degree day accumulation continues with more than 100 to 125 added this past week. Most areas are well above their seasonal records with some more than 600 growing degree days ahead of normal. Generally about a half to one inch of precip except for Long Island and eastern New Jersey that received more than an inch. ET range from about three quarters of an inch to the south to half an inch in the north and left some with some deficits. Soil temps again at the two inch depth seems to be holding in the low 60s to the north and the upper 60s to the south. And this week's weather disease risk forecast cooler weather for most has reduced most disease risk but there's still moderate to high dollar spot risk along the I-95 corridor. And the forecast for this coming week, following some heavy rain the previous week and a dry weekend, the return to the showery cool weather. Expect more moisture along the coast and drier inland. Temps will be about 4 degrees below normal. Some frost warnings for northern New York in the early week. The long-term outlook is actually calling for cooler and drier than normal. And of course, you can check out all the weather information at our forecast website at www.nrcc.cornell.edu backslash grass. Cornell Cooperative Extension update for this week begins with Walt Nelson's Finger Lakes report, and the models were verified in western New York, Walt says, with some brown patch and dollar spot in lawns. Until the Thursday rains, the fall growth flush has been minimal. Without lots of rain, fields are firm. And the Westchester report from Jerry Giordano and Rick Harper. Samples have slowed coming into the lab. This week we received skeletons of smooth crabgrass and yellow foxtail, as well as a few insects, specifically third instar grub larvae. Oriental beetle, 90% of our grubs are this species now, and a few Japanese beetles were reported. The sports turf update from Joanne Grudadorio, our sports turf specialist. The wet week disrupts routine field maintenance practices. Last week, fields across the state received one to four inches of rain. Your fields may be too wet to work right now, so stay off them and avoid mowing saturated soils, which can leave ruts and cause compaction. Keep unnecessary traffic and school activities off the fields until they've dried out. With all the rainfall, we have had managers who applied fertilizer in September are seeing succulent, juicy turf. Excessive rainfall coupled with nitrogen encourages the vertical elongation we are seeing. If you have to let the turf grow while the fields dry out, you will have to raise the mowing height to avoid scalping and the accumulation of excessive clippings. Then gradually reduce the mowing height with each mowing. This may require mowing several times in a week. Where is all the nitrogen that's needed necessary for growth and recovery? From their last fertilizer application, some of the nitrogen has feathered turf, some may have moved out of the root zone. With this fall sports season in full swing, your next nitrogen application will be especially important for tiller and rhizome development. In the absence of a soil test, apply 1 pound N with a 50-50 quick-release, slow-release source. The most effective time for applying two- and three-way herbicide combinations for controlling broadleaf weeds is now. Studies have shown that treating weeds now is three times more effective than any other time 
for both the degree and control for the large range of broadleaf weeds we have. For example, you can get 90% control or more of ground ivy with any of the combination products when applied now. Consider spot treating weeds and limiting blanket sprays to save money. The Sports Turf Grasses Update from Brad Park, the Sports Turf Specialist at Rutgers University. Tall Fescue for Sports Turf. Of the more than 130 turf-type tall fescue varieties in the most recent NTEP trial, there are only about 20 or so that most would consider top shelf. Bullseye, Falcon 5, and Rambler SRP, for example, have all performed well in the trials under simulated traffic for overall quality. Breeding these grasses has really improved in the last several years so that the best varieties are very difficult to distinguish from the elite Kentucky bluegrasses with their fine texture and dark blue-green color. On the other end of the spectrum are the K31 and older varieties that do not have good turf quality nor any significant brown patch resistance. Regarding tall fescue and Kentucky bluegrass sod mixtures, it is critical that if you want the tall fescue to be the predominant turf, then no more than 15% Kentucky bluegrass by weight would be ideal. In fact, 15-20% to Kentucky bluegrass in a seed mix with tall fescue is close to a 50-50 Kentucky bluegrass tall fescue mix by seed number. Personal observations indicate that over time mixes more than 15% tall fescue become mostly Kentucky bluegrass, especially if managed to favor Kentucky bluegrass with high-end and regular irrigation. Finally, it appears that tall fescue seed is less expensive than normal, possibly due to the oversupply in the seed-producing areas. Now might be the ideal time for many reasons to consider shifting to the best tall fescue varieties for improved performance under less intense maintenance. A note about Kentucky bluegrass and seasonal wear. The objective of this study was to determine whether the wear tolerance and recovery of Kentucky bluegrass cultivars were dependent on season. 22 Kentucky bluegrass cultivars representing nine genetically diverse Kentucky bluegrass types were established on September, in September 2002 in North Brunswick, New Jersey on a loamy soil. The effects of simulated wear were evaluated during spring, summer, and fall in 2004 and 2005. Generally, Kentucky bluegrass was more tolerant of wear during spring than summer or fall, and recovery was more rapid after spring wear. The performance of many cultivars depended on season of wear. However, Julia consistently exhibited the greatest wear tolerance as well as recovery. Compact Midnight type cultivars, Midnight, Midnight 2, Liberator, had good wear tolerance during fall wear, however, were slow to recover after fall wear. Cabernet, Lakeshore, Moonshadow, Limousine, and Jefferson exhibited more rapid recovery from fall wear during the next spring. Langara, Bedazzled, and Touchdown had poor wear tolerance and recovery during all seasons. The seasons of play should be considered when selecting Kentucky bluegrass cultivars for sports fields. And my gazing in the grass update begins with a ground ivy control note. Specific timing of fall applications of broadleaf weeds is not refined to maximum control of ground ivy. Herbicides were applied on 1 and 15 of September, 1 and 18 of October, 1 and 15 of November, and 03, 04, and 05 in a study conducted in Indiana. When rated in December, following application, applications of all herbicides were most effective if applied prior to November 1st. However, November applications of all herbicides resulted in control similar to earlier applications when rated the following June. Triclopyr was the most effective and consistent in controlling ground ivy, with 27 of 36 applications reducing cover to less than 1%, compared to greater than 50% in untreated plots. Long-term control from triclopyr was not affected significantly by application date. Adding isoxibin, gallery, which is not labeled in New York State, to triclopyr, Improved long-term control over trichopyr alone in 5 to 6 November applications. Fluoroxapyr provided less than 10% cover by June in 15 of the 18 applications, and applications on 1 September through 1 November were most effective. Porous control resulted in 
from 2,4-D and MCPP plus dicamba. Adding carfentrazone to the 2,4-D MCPP and dicamba dramatically improved short-term control of ground ivy from November applications, but had little long-term benefit on any application date. Should you pull a core? A study conducted in Nebraska investigated if holotine is more effective than solotine airification in managing organic matter accumulation and it determined if less invasive cultivation methods are effective at managing organic matter accumulation. The study was conducted on research plot seed with L93 creep and bank grass that was constructed 8 and 11 years prior. Airification was either holotine, solotine, or no airification treatment. And less invasive cultivation treatments were hydroject, planet air, quad needle tine, bayonet tine, or no less invasive cultivation treatment. Data from the first year showed there's no difference in organic matter accumulation between holotine and solotine airification, but both treatments accumulated less organic matter than no airification. No differences in organic matter accumulation were observed among late less invasive cultivation methods. Hydroject and needle tine treatments had higher infiltration rates compared to other less invasive cultivation treatments, regardless of the airification treatments. This study demonstrates that there is not likely any benefit to actually pulling a core from the turf relative to managing organic matter. And another program update about our Cornell Turfgrass Short Courses for 2010 to be held on the Cornell campus in Ithaca, December 13th through 15th will be two and a half days of sports turf without pesticides and December 15th through 17th, golf turf pest management. Thank you for joining me for the weekly installment of the Cornell Turfgrass Shortcut Podcast, your weekly connection to turfgrass information. I'm Frank Rossi, Associate Professor of Horticulture here at Cornell University, and I hope you have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University on the web at cornell.edu.